0: Turning to the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation, the 66th book of the Bible, extending our thoughts on the revelation or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last Sabbath afternoon, we considered. His post-resurrection appearances, and this certainly is included as the last of the scriptural post-post uh, appearances of Jesus. The Book of Revelation was given about 90 A.D. or a little bit later to the Gospel John as we see in verse 1 of Revelation his servant John this is speaking of John the Apostle not John the Baptist and you understand that John was a prisoner on the island of Patmos if you go for a tour of Paul's journeys some of the tours include the island of Patmos you see it's kind of a Place without many landmarks but that you can think about from the scriptures, but to know that John was there. We're told that he was a companion in tribulation, verse 9, in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. That's, that's uh, describing him as a prisoner. And it says he was on the isle or the island that is called Patmos for the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this was some 60 years after Jesus died and rose from the dead. Maybe even a little longer. So this is a a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus, but we might call it a post-post-resurrection appearance of the Lord. I'd like us to consider verses 10 and following. The Bible says and John writes that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. This may have been the route that was taken to, to uh, with this letter unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamus and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps, about the waist with a gold golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like undefined brass as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell, of Hades, of end of death write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches a blessed passage this is to read and to hear this morning from God's Word. The Bible gives us several accounts of the post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. That He was raised from the dead. And they were given what Acts tells us many infallible proofs being seen of them for 40 days. So for 40 days, including His resurrection, Jesus was seen three times on the resurrection day, morning, afternoon, and evening. The next uh, first day of the week, the next Lord's Day, Thomas was included. He was seen midweek, we're assuming, on the seashore when the disciples were fishing. They weren't expecting His appearance. There He was, midweek. And then, We believe that Ascension was Ascension Thursday, the 40th day that Jesus was shown to be alive and well. Well, there's one more appearance that occurs some 60 years later and I just read about this appearance. It was to a disciple. As we know, his post-resurrection appearances were only to believers. They were privileged with that site he was an apostle but especially we're told he was a prisoner of the gospel on the island of Patmos just outside Greece we're told he was a companion in tribulation that's describing a prisoner and he wasn't there because of a crime he was there for the word of God for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was a prisoner for Christ and there are many prisoners for Jesus Christ today. We need to remember them. Hebrews commands us to remember those who are in bonds as bound with them. to To be concerned for them. To pray for them. To do what we can. To send gifts so that they can receive literature or letters or families can be taken care of their churches but we're told that John even though he was a prisoner and though he couldn't keep the Sabbath holy as a prisoner like the Israelites in Egypt I don't think that that John was given that liberty although he may have but I know this Jesus gave him the liberty We're told that John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, there are other descriptions about John being caught up in the Spirit. Like, for instance, chapter 4 and verse 2. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And so John sees visions uh, throughout the book of Revelation. So, we think that this was not a physical description of the Lord Jesus, but it was a vision of Christ. So Jesus appears once again reminding and encouraging us that He is raised from the dead and active in speaking as a prophet, interceding as a priest, and, and reigning as a king. And I want us to be encouraged that Jesus shows believers 60 years later that He's still raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. And so He tells us in 2023 that He's still alive and well. His appearance, notice, was on the Lord's Day. Not the day of the Lord. It wasn't some mysterious time period but it was on the lord's day and it's an interesting statement that the lord's day is in parallel to the lord's supper no one would ever that i know of would go to would turn to first corinthians 11 and say the lord's supper is the supper of the lord is just a time period when we should eat some uh, sometime in the future no the lord's supper and the lord's day the the term lords is belonging to the Lord so it's the supper that belongs to the Lord and the day that belongs to the Lord and remember from Psalm 118 this is the day that the Lord hath made though it could be a general expression we could use every day this is the day that the Lord hath made it's a prophecy of the resurrection day so it's specifically referring to the first day of the week that Jesus was raised from the dead. In the Lord's Day, we have our church historians in the early days um, saying that this was the first day of the week. It was our Sunday. And so John received the book of Revelation on the first day of the week while he was on the island of Patmos as a prisoner. Wasn't that a special visitation of the Lord? Though he couldn't be preaching in Ephesus and the churches that he mentions here, he's going to send revelation to them. And the Lord met with John. Though John couldn't meet with disciples and he couldn't meet with the churches, the Lord came to meet with him. Isn't that the case? We are to go and meet with the Lord, but when we can't, the Lord meets with us. And we should certainly pray in that way to saints that are uh in nursing homes and 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 uh, in their beds. If they can't make public worship anymore, the Lord would visit them. And certainly, we could go and encourage them as well. So why did the Lord meet with John and give him this revelation on the Lord's Day? May I suggest to you that the Lord is keeping the Lord's Day special as the crowning day of the week, the resurrection day. The Lord is, is encouraging the saints that this that day is the day He's especially going to be meeting with His people. And it's not insignificant that it was on the Lord's day that He gave John the final uh, revelation of Scripture. That this is the day that the Lord hath made. In other words, the precedent appearances teach us truth. How do we know that that the Sabbath was changed from the seventh to the first day of the week by the precedent of the disciples' meeting on the first day of the week. We find in Acts chapter 20 that Paul waited several days before he departed because he wanted to be with the saints on the day of worship. It says on the first day of the week they met to break bread. We have 1 Corinthians 16. He told the Corinthians to lay their their offerings aside on the first day of the week. Uh, and you read between the lines that that was the day they must have been meeting. He, it, it would be like a, saying, bring your offerings on the Lord's day. It would not be practical if I said to you, bring your offerings on Tuesday or bring your offerings on Thursday. When he comes to the building on Tuesday or Thursday, and so again you're reading between the lines. The precedent of the disciples is is as as powerful in convincing us as command itself to keep the Sabbath holy. The Sabbath must be by the practice of the apostles on the first day of the week, and so Jesus met his disciples three times on the very first Resurrection day. He meets them in the morning when he greets Mary Magdalene he joins two disciples on the way to Emmaus in the afternoon and then he again visits them in the evening and you remember Thomas was not with them at evening for whatever reason and could we apply that, that when we may miss a blessing from the Lord when we miss the times of public worship And then, he met them the the next uh, Lord's Day when Thomas was there and we read those famous words, my Lord and my God. And then, Pentecost, we're convinced. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church was the 50th day, which would have been a Sunday. So again, special things are happening on the first day of the week, the resurrection of Christ, the post-resurrection appearances of Christ, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church uh, at Pentecost was convincingly on the first day of the week. And then we have the Lord meeting with John on the island of Patmos on the first day of the week. So this precedent, just like the the uh, practice of the apostles public worship on the first day of the week shows us that this is our day of worship now so the presence of the Lord on the first day of the week is indicative that it's a special day and the Lord was saying to John and saying to his disciples as this letter was being sent this book of Revelation keep meeting on the Lord's day this is a special day keep that day special is it special still to you and me? Can we say like this, like the psalm writer, day of all the week, the best, emblem of eternal rest. Have you and I been able to um, cultivate in our souls that this is our favorite day? It's the Lord's favorite day. And shouldn't it be our favorite day? I hope that when we're retiring Saturday evening and waking Sunday morning we're saying this is the day that the Lord has made we'll be meeting together with God's people we'll be meeting with our brothers and sisters but the Lord as he met with his disciples three times on the first Lord's day next the next Sunday and at Pentecost and on the island of Patmos that he's promised to meet with his people especially on this day Oh, may the Lord's presence be sensed by all of us. May we hear his word. Verses 12 to 16 this uh, vision of the resurrected Christ was to keep the Lord of the day the true focus of our worship, keep him central, keep the day special, but to remember what. What a what a shame it would be if we would keep the day special, but we wouldn't see the Lord, and we he wouldn't be central. You have challenged me with that scripture that I can read from the pulpit, sir. We would see Jesus. If we don't see Jesus, then we're, we're then we're not fulfilling the special nature of the day to keep him central. And so, what is it that John was shown immediately? The first three chapters. The Lord Jesus is walking in the midst of His candlesticks of His churches. But John sees probably a vision of Christ because this is not a physical description. If we would look at Jesus today as as, a, as the resurrected Son of God or the, as, as man, His eyes wouldn't be a flame of fire. Most likely He doesn't have white hair like as white as snow. In other words, These are what someone called a composite of the Old Testament symbols. It's a blending of many symbols that we read in the Old Testament. We just read in Daniel 7 that the the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven had hair as white as wool. If you look in chapter 10 of Daniel, he has eyes as a flame of fire. And it even talked about a burning... Uh, wheels, most likely the, 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 the feet burning as in, burn in, in, in a furnace. We see the, the sash, the golden sash of the priest. They wore, Aaron wore a golden sash uh, to show that he was the high priest. And so, most, most of these symbols you can find in the Old Testament. And again, they're mixed metaphors. One symbol cannot capture the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the symbols tell us something about the Savior. His eyes is a flame of fire. He's omniscient. He sees right through us. He knows our hearts. He knows our sins. He knows our sorrows. He knows our labor for Him. We see Him as having a voice is as the as as, a, as the sound of, of many waters or the sound of a trumpet? Both again mixed metaphors. The power and the authority of a trumpet, as well as the many waters, you stand before the ocean. And isn't it isn't it? What's the word? It's it's capturing. Is it's it's powerful to hear the roar of the waves. And so John was sensing the power, the authority, the omniscience of the Savior as he saw this blending of the Old Testament symbols. So he was seeing a vision, most likely, of the Lord Jesus. He was Christ, symbolized by all these different uh, metaphoric expressions. The Son of Man, Daniel 7. The prophet out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. The priest clothed with a garment down to the foot. Adam or Aaron and the, the priests had long robes. The king with a golden sash. Daniel ten verses five to six and eleven. In his right hand were the seven stars. His divinity. His head. His head hair is white as snow and his wool, his eyes as a flame of fire, his countenance as the sun that shines in his strength. Jesus is called the Son of Righteousness in Malachi chapter 4 and perhaps the feet that were like they were burning fine brass that burned in a furnace could that be describing the fact that Jesus went through the fire for you and me as Savior. He's been through the fire. He has paid for our sins and endured the wrath of God. He is indeed the prophet, the priest, the king. He's Christ. He's, he's man. He's God. He is Savior. These, these mixed metaphors and symbols that are blended together speak of the glory of Jesus Christ. Though we may not see this vision as John saw it, when we get to heaven, we will sense every truth that these symbols portray. John saw Jesus on the Lord's day. Jesus is called the Lord. He called Himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Oh, we would see Jesus. The Romans wouldn't let John visit the Lord's churches, but Jesus visited John. He didn't need the Romans' permission, did He? Oh, that we would anticipate this every time we meet together. We would see the Lord. We would see something of Jesus. Lord, show us Your glory. Show us, again, how omniscient You are. and That we would, we would not be so foolish to think that we can sin and get, a, get away with it. That, that, that we would remember that this would be a tremendous um, detriment to our sin. It will help us when we're tempted. What should, what, how should we react to temptation to sin? Temptation to lust or lie or gossip? We should think about the eyes as a flame of fire. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Can we dare sin knowing Jesus is right there watching? Oh, that that would be a, a preventative for you and me. The eyes of the Lord. The, the eyes is a flame of fire that He is our King He holds us in His right hand that Jesus is our priest can we sin against Him knowing He has paid for our sins He pleads His blood oh that Jesus would visit us every time we meet together I believe He's here He promises where two or three are gathered together in His name Let's pray for the prisoners of the Gospel. It's the Lord's Day. Oh, that we would, see, we would know that all of our brothers and sisters in, in bonds can say, I am in the Spirit today. I was in the Spirit on April the 16th on the Lord's Day. They need the Spirit of God to fill them and to show them Christ just as much and even more than you and I need that. Oh, to get a vision of the Savior, that we might see the world as it really is—fallen and condemned, and sin. Something that, though it's as as Moses said, he he denied. Though the sin was had had pleasure for a season, temporary pleasure, it was it was it was poisonous. It was like the snake that bites. Sin will destroy a family, destroy a marriage, destroy a church may God help us to see the Savior, that we would pray for each other, that we would resist temptation. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing and the flesh is weak. So Jesus met with John to remind him of the special nature of the Lord's Day. To remember that he's to keep Jesus central in his ministry in His preaching, in His pastoral work, in His life, in His evangelism. Brother and sister, keep Jesus central. Pray that we'll see Jesus when we meet together. He's the Savior who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's pray for each other that Jesus will be central in our lives, in our devotions, in our family altar, in our church services, in our labor for the Lord. Thirdly, verses 17 to 20, this vision of the resurrected Christ was to keep the Lord's servant watchful. To keep the day special. To keep Jesus central. To keep John, and his, in, as he represents all of us, keep him watchful. I was in the Spirit. You see, it's, it would have been so easy for John to just think, well... Lord must not be with me here. I'm way out on an isolated island, all by myself. And in one instant, what a temptation! We're by ourselves, and that's when Satan gets gets with us, doesn't he? And say, nobody sees you. Do this. Do that. Well, John is on the island of Patmos, and perhaps that was part of the devil's plan too to attack him while he was alone. But then also, that what's the use? Sometimes people give up and give in when they're when there are tremendously weighed to trials and temptations. But Jesus came to John. Perhaps it was unexpected. Did John know that, that Jesus was going to come to him in this vision and give him the whole book of Revelation in the last part of the canon? This, no doubt, was inspirational and helpful to keep John watchful. I was in the Spirit. In other words, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. John was revived, if you will. His heart became engaged in worshiping the Lord. It tells us in verse 17, when I saw Him, when I sensed what these symbols meant in the revelation of Jesus Christ, it says He fell on His face. As dead, He fell on His feet. There was no casual response. It wasn't even that it says that He approached Him. Jesus, before John, caused Him to fall at His feet and worship Him. That's why for people to react casually to the Word of God flippantly, coldly, what does that say? That that person is not in the Spirit. If you're truly filled with with the Holy Spirit, you'll reverence the Lord. You'll enjoy the Lord. He won't cower. I think John fell as one that was kind of cowering. In Jesus. And it's an interesting thing that here's a vision of Jesus, a conglomerate, a blending of all these symbols, and yet he felt a physical touch of his hand on his right shoulder, and his right hand on his shoulder. Again, you see the, the mystery of it all. He saw Jesus, saw a vision of Jesus, but yet. Jesus' hand touches him. John needed that because how can we see the Lord and survive? John was being taught what Moses learned at the burning bush. Take off your shoes to the place where you stand is holy ground. What Joshua learned when the the, uh, captain of the Lord's host met him before they took Canaan. Joshua fell on his face worshipped him. What Peter learned, Luke chapter 5, he fell at Jesus' knees in the boat and said, I'm a sinful man. I am so unbelieving. I am so self-centered. I am so in need, Lord, of humility. All oh, that you and I would see Jesus, if we do truly see Jesus, we will reverence Him. We will be humbled. We will be repentant of our sins. We will, we will be aware of our transgressions. It says He fell as dead. All His strength was dried up. All His pride was abased. All His sin was realized. There was no casual reaction. Jesus allowed him to feel his need of him. Feel his glory. Then he touched him. And it's kind of like the words that Moses gave the people of Israel when they said, speak with us. We're trembling. If, we, if he speaks to us any longer, we're going to die. And what does Moses say? Fear not. For God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. And so there's a, It's not a contradiction. There's a fear not, but fear. Fear not like unbelievers fearing condemnation. John, I have not come to condemn you, but fear me as your Lord and as your Savior, as your God. There is that tension, isn't there? The Lord would deliver us from a cowering fear of Him. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. But there is a need for us to fear the Lord as the chief part of wisdom and knowledge. By the fear of the Lord, all day long we're prevented from envying the wicked. By a fear of God, we're helped to resist sin and the temptation to sin. We say like Joseph when we're tempted, shall I dare do this and sin against my God? keep the Lord ever before you, brother and sister. All your temptations that you and I face day after day, one at a time, keep the Lord ever before you. See His eyes as a flame of fire. See His, His mouth issuing that sword, two-edged sword. See Jesus' wisdom in His hair as white as snow, as white as wool. See fact that He's your King. See the fact that He has died for you. His feet are burning as in a furnace. He has suffered for you. And shall we we commit that which Jesus had to suffer for to save our souls? Stop fearing as an unbeliever will fear. Oh, what a day will will be. What does the Bible say of, of unbelievers that are, are recognizing the judgment day has come? They wait. They cry for the rocks and the hills to fall upon them. The Bible says that, that heaven and earth fled, but they had nowhere to flee. As John saw that great white throne. Jesus speaks to you and me. I am the first and the last. I am your God. I am your all in all. That's, that's a figure of speech speaking to the fact that Jesus is the first and the last. He's everything. The Alpha and the Omega. He's everything in between. I am he that liveth. I am the living and true God. And I was dead. Again, here's that seeming contradiction. I am he that liveth. I am the living and true God. But I was dead. I became man. And I was crucified. And I died for you. That's the gospel. Christ died for your sins. That's not a metaphor. I was dead. I am a man who was crucified for you. But behold, I am alive forevermore. Once and for all, He was raised from the dead. And no wonder why we read, Amen. Jesus Himself says, It is so. This is truth. As Peter would say to his, his recipients, This is the true grace of God where you stand. Amen, Jesus is saying. Amen means it is true. It is something to to, to hold on to as, as assurance. And I have the keys. What authority! I have the keys of Hades and of death. It's only Jesus that can determine our day of death, our moment of death. You and I don't have the keys. Oh, people think they have the keys and they commit suicide, but even God has allowed them to commit suicide. The Lord has the keys. It's appointed a man once to die and after that the judgment. And I have the keys of Hades. Only Jesus can open that door. Oh, what a day it is when a person dies without Christ and hears the dungeon door, the key go into the dungeon door Lock and the squeak of the door as it were opening and his soul is cast into Hades. And may I say that Jesus has the key to the exit door of Hades. At that last day, the Bible says "And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. And the Lord's going to open that exit door and everyone will stand before God then he has the keys to the lake of fire and that has only an entrance and no exit Christ is all authority in heaven and earth and hell Jesus is the resurrected Christ what should be the result of this post appearance of Jesus to a prisoner write you can't preach you can't visit but you can write write these things a holy man of God will write as he is moved by the Holy Spirit this was the liberty that Jesus gave him on the island of Patmos no one was going to stop John from having an inkwell and paper we can be assured that John was able to write in any free time that he had Jesus took the liberty to gain His attention. The apocalypse on the Lord's day. What does He say to you and me as an application of this? Copy Scriptures, He would tell people. Copy the book that John writes. Copy it so all these churches will have copies. Brother and sister, this is the application of the appearance of Christ. We have the book of Revelation 2,000 years later. That's the authority of Christ. Thank God for our brothers and sisters and sisters that copied the scriptures, that translated them into our language. But what does He say to you and me today? Read, study, memorize, teach, preach, pray, evangelize the book of Revelation. The crucified Christ is raised. The raised Christ is ascended. The ascended Christ is reigning. And the reigning Christ is coming. He's coming. Jesus is coming again. Is His hand upon you or against you today? We will see Him as He is humanly. Like John, we will see Him as He is divinely as well. He is our God and our Savior. This appearance of the resurrected Christ is to stir our hearts to live for Him until He calls us home. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for the book of Revelation. Thank You for this vision that You gave to John and You've given to us. How we underestimate You, Lord. You are truly David's Lord as well as David's descendant. We pray, Lord, that we would fear You. Forgive us where we have cowered in Your presence. We have feared You like an unbeliever. But Lord, so often we are unbelieving. Forgive us for our unbelief. But help us to adore You and to be in awe of You. For there is no contradiction when it says that the women ran from the tomb with fear and great joy. Oh, please revive us. We give in to our sins, Lord. We, The devil laughs when we succumb to his temptations. Give us victory, Lord. May we see who You are. That You're ever before us. As we read, keep the Lord ever before You. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would be in the fear of the Lord all the day long to revere You, Lord, to adore You, to praise You. Forgive our sins. Give us victory in in Your name. We pray that we would spread abroad Your fame. Thank You, Lord, for showing us that no matter what our predicament, that You'll be with us. John, no doubt, was saddened. He was hurting. He was an old man. Lord, the world and the devil don't let up their attacks when we get old, yet You met with them. Lord, You see Your servants throughout the world that are sorrowful, that are under great temptation, that are hurting, that are sick. Lord, meet with them, we pray. May they see Your glory and continue to bless Your Word as it's preached throughout the world.